Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, October 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. If you're a Kansas Jayhawks basketball fan, you know Jeff Geldner. Well, you don't have to be a KU fan to know Jeff. He's a former Kansas player who started for the 1988 NCAA championship team, and today he is a pre- and post-game analyst on Jayhawk broadcasts, teaming up with longtime Kansas City sports anchor Dave Stewart. Well, now you can add author to his titles. Jeff has written a book called Without You, A Story of Thanks and Appreciation, along with Jeff Bolig. It's about Jeff Geldner's life in and out of basketball. You might believe that a former KU hoopster, a national champion and TV broadcaster, would be in for an uncontested layup kind of life. In Jeff's case, that's not true. He's overcome some major life obstacles, including stage four carcinoma, diagnosed at a much too young age. Jeff couldn't get through that challenge and others on his own. The book details how he navigated through those challenges and pays tribute to those who stood with him along the way. And of course, there's plenty about KU basketball. Jeff became a starter late in the 1988 season, and that's when the Jayhawks' season's fortunes turned. Hey, look, Danny Manning, Milt Newton, Chris Piper, Kevin Pritchard, and others might have had something to do with it, but the fact is the Jayhawks' season turned around when Jeff Geldner became a starter. He left KU as one of the program's top three-point shooters, and if you check the record book, he remains one of the most accurate perimeter shooters in program history. Now, Jeff gets to share his thoughts on current KU teams on broadcasts, like the one that captured the program's fourth NCAA title this year. And on this show, he gives us his ideas about the latest Bill Self edition of the Jayhawks. Let's get started with a conversation with Jeff Gelder. Jeff, it's great to have you on Sportsbeat KC, and congratulations on the book. Let me just start by asking, what uh, what was your motivation for becoming an author? Well, first off, I definitely knew I couldn't be an author. I needed somebody that could actually put the words into a readable form, and that's where Jeff Foley came in. And I knew that if I was going to go down that path, I wanted to work with somebody that was a friend that I could trust. And, and obviously, Jeff is one of those guys and has some experience with it. Um, you know, I've been asked that question a lot. I mean, not a lot of people know that I'm doing this, but those that have, I've asked, you know, kind of why. And I've always struggled to come up with the answer. I, you know, you, you see over the years, former players, you know, Jared Tyrell playing here and others, and, and then Bob Davis and some other, you know, quote unquote celebrities that come out with books. And I never really kind of thought of myself as that person. I certainly didn't want to do anything that was a in the day in the life of a KU player or look at me type of a project. But, um, you know, as I went through uh, my cancer situation years ago, um, I became much more emotional, much more aware of things and, you know, the environment around me and people in general. And I was asked by my doctors at the time if I would be willing to counsel uh, other guys that had this similar type of cancer, the squamous cell uh, carcinoma in my neck. And I did. And, you know, that kind of got the wheels turning. Is there, you know, can I help other people? Can I share my story? Um, but when you add to that divorce and then trying to figure out your new life and, and what am I going to do to make money and a career, it just never really materialized. Um, and then, you know, my mom died almost eight years ago now. And, um, you know, I really, kind of starting, as you know, we all get older and start thinking about the people in our lives. And, you know, you don't want to have any regrets and, and specifically starting with my dad. 
I just talked, I just told him about this project this weekend. I wanted to kind of keep it a surprise for him. And he, he also say was very surprised. Um, so it was a kind of a progression of events. And I know that, you know, as the, as the back of the book states, you know, it came to me while I was mowing the yard. Well, in some ways it did um, kind of the final blow. When I, when I listen to a song, I always listen to the lyrics and, Hey, does that kind of fit? What does that fit? You know, wh what can I take away from that? And, that book or that particular song, you know, created emotion because it really got me thinking about the people that had been there for me, uh, good and bad lessons that I've learned and, and kind of how the progression of life's events have kind of taken me from one step to the other. And without that step, I probably wouldn't have made the next step. And where would I be today if I weren't for all these people? Um, and so as soon as I finished mowing the yard, I reached out to Dave Stewart, who's somebody in the media that I've uh, spent a lot of time with and trust. And, He's like, you know, I because I didn't, I had no idea. So then he's like, you need to talk to Jeff Bowley. And so I did. And if Jeff would have said, hey, dude, this is stupid. Don't even bother. It's a waste of time. It would have died on the vine right there. But I couldn't find anybody that would tell me it's it was a terrible idea or a terrible concept. Because quite honestly, there's, uh, there's something in there for everybody. If you're just a KU basketball fan, there's KU stuff in there. There's stories and quotes and things. If you're a cancer survivor, or if you've been through, you know, been through divorce or had career problems or, or whatever it is, um, you know, it's not that I've overcome more adversity than anybody else. That's not the point. The point is just that there were to give thanks and formal acknowledgement to the people in my life that have allowed me to overcome and to get to where I am now. Um, and then also hopefully get the reader to think about all those same people, types of people in their life that have done the same thing. Yeah, that's, you know, Jeff, I, I remember you, certainly remember you as a player. You were a senior on the first Kansas team that I covered when, after I moved oh, to wow. Kansas City. So I want to I get a thought on that in, in a little bit. But so, but, but I'm sure like a lot of people, you know, I saw you as a player, remember you as a player, um, as a really darn good three-point shooter. And then I see you now on Spectrum Sports on the pre and post game shows for Kansas basketball and just assume like, you know, live the charm life in between. Right. You, you, you go from a player, you brought a national championship team as a freshman starting, by the way, um, again, a successful career. And and now, you know, calling KU pre and post. Uh, so it must have been all, you know, all peaches and roses, as Whit Merrick <laughs> like to say. In between, right. it wasn't that, and I, I learned that no. from the book, and um, and it was uh, you. You've definitely had your challenges, yeah. Along the way, yeah, and I think we all do, and we all have to kind of navigate through life and and the good and the bad, and and uh, I'm most certainly I'm not trying to say that I've had to overcome more than other people. That's not the message. The message is is all about um, kind of using my life as a reference point clearly, but uh, the people that were there for me and, and, you know, the lessons that I learned, you know, starting with my parents and coaches, teammates, teachers, family members, um, there's, there's a lot of people, but uh, I think, you know, people do have this image, you know, you create this image, oh, everything's got to be, you know, one, you know, the white picket fence life, if you will. Um, and I, I certainly have had a very good life and, and been very fortunate with, you know, a lot of uh, bucket list experiences, a lot of people would never dream of, um, but that doesn't make you immune from the downsides and the emotion that you have to go through. And obviously facing a, uh, 
you know, a stage four cancer diagnosis and going through all of that. Um, way too many people are impacted by that disease alone. Forget the fact how many people go through divorce with kids and career changes and trying to figure it all out. Um, there's just a lot in there. And, um, you know, there. who knows what would have happened? I mean, if, if I wouldn't have come to KU or if I wouldn't have played basketball, or if I wouldn't have done this or that, and, and the people are really kind of what allowed me to take those steps and be successful and continue to get, uh, as I get further into my life, um, really wanted to formally acknowledge them. 41 years old when you were diagnosed uh, with uh, stage four uh, carcinoma. And mm -hmm. what a what a jolt that must have been for you yeah. and your family. And even though you know, marriage wasn't, you know, I, I can't remember the time frame if you were already divorced or no, I was not. Yeah. in the throes of it. But uh, for you and your, your daughters, just a, uh, must have been such a difficult time. It was. And again, you. You talk about that charmed life. I mean, you're 41, you know, former KD basketball player, very healthy, worked out all the time. Um, and, you know, married kids, you know, everything kind of seemed, as you would say, you know, peaches and cream or, you know, <laughs> unicorns and butterflies, however you want to look. But, I mean, that's not always the case. And I just noticed a small lump on my neck and, and uh, progression of events, you know, it, it took me to, it wasn't cancer. Every test was negative. Um, so let's just get this benign lump taken out of your neck. Fine. I woke up from that two hour surgery and was told then that, you know, I had cancer. And within a week I'd had seven and a half hours of surgery and 72 staples on my neck. And it's an entirely different way of looking at life and, and more in your mortality. And cause it, you know, stage four cancer, it's the real deal. And uh, I, I like to tell people and it came, the words did come out of my mouth and I, Cancer wasn't going to beat me. I didn't know what the side effects were going to be, but I was going to do whatever I could to beat cancer. But you never really know. Um, as you know, you just don't know. You hear those words um, and you don't have any choice. You know, everybody's like, well, what'd you think? Well, what I thought was, I got to figure out where it is. I got to get this crap out of my body. And then I got to deal with this and then this and then this. And you listen to the doctors and you do what you're told to do. And then, you, you know, you let the chips fall and then deal with them. And it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, rigorous radiation treatment for you. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, I saw, I read those words and, and kind of shivered a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. How, how long, how long did it take? Just take us through the timeline of uh, the, 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 the progression of this and, and, and where you are now. Yeah. Well, you know, at, at the time, of course, it didn't seem very good very fast, but uh, essentially middle of February of 2010, um, I had made the decision, even though all the tests were negative, to remove this lump in my neck. Um, 25th of February, um, went through that surgery to remove it. And uh, as soon as my neck had healed to the point the staples were out and I could physically start getting radiation, um, we did, we started that and it's 35 rounds and it took me up until uh, middle of May. Uh, the way that this cancer is treated, chemotherapy doesn't kill the cancer, but it does help the radiation work. So I did a round of chemo at the beginning, another one in the middle, and then was supposed to do one at the end, but became really dehydrated and hospitalized from that. So I never actually did that one. But middle of May, I mean, you're, you're finished. I mean, I'm finished with treatments. I mean, the radiation continues to work and burn and 
you know, the weight loss continues and, and, and all of that. Um, and then you, you get tested periodically, you know, on a monthly basis, and then it becomes six months, and then it becomes once a year. And then at the five-year mark, the doctors are like, okay, um, you're, you're good to go. Now, I'll say that from the beginning, my doctors were confident they got very clean margins, but you still never know. Um, I had a great care at Menorah Health um, and uh, was very fortunate in that regard, uh, fortunate the treatment worked. Um, but, uh, you know, I deal with the side effects. I sound different than I used to. I, you know, I've got, um, issues with saliva and issues with movement in my neck and, but Hey, it beats the alternative. Yes. Yeah. I would say that is uh, very true. Um, all right, let's, uh, I tell you what, Jeff, let's, let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about, um, you know, about the book and about your KU career. So we'll be all right. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're talking with Jeff Geldner, former Kansas guard, current uh, broadcaster, pre and post game talent for Spectrum Sports, KU Basketball, and he has a book called Without You that he co-wrote with Jeff Bolig, who, Jeff, we should say, um, old Mr. Bolig, he's co-authored and authored a few books about KU basketball. Nobody better to work with on a on a project than Jeff mm-hmm. Bolig. So um, I think I, I mentioned this to you earlier that uh, you were on the first Kansas team mm-hmm. that I covered. I just moved from Virginia to Kansas City, was assigned to cover KU, and the Jay- this was Roy Williams' second season. Right. The Jayhawks were coming off of the probation year, two years removed from the national championship, and not much was expected from that 89-90 Kansas basketball team, and very much was delivered from that team. What, right. what, what are your – I do want to talk about the national championship season, but first, this 1990 team, what are your some of your fonder memories about the, the Pekka Markin and Rick Calloway, Mark Randall – Terry, I think Terry Brent. No, Terry was. There. Oh yeah, Terry was there. Yeah, was it was his okay. first year there. Yeah, I remember the bigger year next year for Terry, and of course Terry was right. there because he kept throwing in the three pointers against Kentucky that season. Yep. Yeah. What are some of your fond memories of that team? Well, a lot of them. I mean, obviously the relationships with Kevin and Mark Randall. Still, you know, Mark's still my best friend, and Maddox and some others, and um, you know the the experience playing for Coach Williams and the freedom that he allowed us to play with. But I think. Probably, you know, other than the the agony of losing in the NCAA tournament earlier than what we should have, I think, you know, when you look back at, and really it came it came out again this week with with Shaq being in town for uh, the uh, for for late night. I mean, I got the chance to play against Shaq, and I, I even sent a text to Bill. I said, you know, give him my apologies again for what we did to his team down there. And, um, so, you know, those memories come back of having nothing expected of you as a team. Um, and being able to make that jump almost immediately within a week 
10 days to top five, you know, number one in the country. Yeah. From, um, from and deservedly so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just say from being unranked to, to, to yeah. number four, right? Right. And, and deservedly so. I mean, we did everything we could, what was asked of us. But I think more than anything, what you saw, um, Coach Williams' first year was tough. I mean, and, and you know, you've got the whole work school national champions coming back. We've lost Danny, obviously, which is huge, and the leadership. So everything, new coach, everything. We weren't really prepared coming into that season, and Coach Williams was figuring it out, too. Um, and no disrespect to Milter Scooter, but we had a year under us now. We, you know, the national championship was that far removed. We didn't play in the NCAA tournament. We were hungry to get back. We had experience. You know, we still had McDonald's All-Americans. We had Mark and Mike and Kevin, and, you know, they might not be the freakish athletes kind of that you see today, but we had talent. And, uh, and our role players understood their roles. And not that Terry didn't think he should have been starting over me or somebody else, but we all kind of figured it out. And when you play for Coach Williams, you play fast. You play, you know, you, you, you know there's going to be a lot of subbing. Everybody had the opportunities. We did what we had to do as a team, offensively, defensively. Everybody did their job. We ran out of gas too soon, and just that's what happens in the NCAA tournament sometimes. But uh, a great year to win 30 games, to, to be a part of it, um, was, a, was a good way to go out. Um, not quite as special as, you know, Danny and Pipe and Archie going out with the national championship. Still pretty good year. Yeah, that that 1990 team traded the top ranking with Missouri. it was Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma for about yeah. eight nine weeks. That was amazing. My first mm-hmm. year here, and I'm covering a you know a one two game every week with uh, with, with KU that season. It was incredible. Um, okay, let let let's go back quickly to to '88, and uh, I, I love how and I've read this before, but it's it's reinforced in in your book that Danny Manning was the reluctant hero. Um, yeah, he. He um, he obviously had the talent and was always the best player on the floor when he played, but always wanted to share and, you know, share credit, share the ball. And there were times when Danny needed to be Danny. And that happened in the 88 run to the final four. I think the, the, the thing that I always thought was interesting was um, team was 12 and eight at one point that season. And then athletic director Bob Frederick was was you know, being asked about, you know, the building's availability for NIT games. Right. Uh, and then you entered the starting lineup. And I, <laughs> and I know you'll deflect this, but things, yeah. did, things did change after that. Yeah, well, they did. And, you know, and, and let's be honest, I wasn't the first choice. I mean, Coach Brown was juggling a lot of things. And, and uh, he, he gave me an opportunity down in Stillwater and, and uh, we won the game. That was the important thing. If we lost the game, who knows what would have happened? You know, we won the game and um, you start to stack wins on top of each other. And people get kind of like I was mentioning with our team, our senior year, people started to find their role, assume their role, um, you know, whether it be uh, Lincoln Minor Scooter or Scooter or, or others um, trying to figure out where they're where they were going to fit. And clearly what it appears was, even though I, you're right, I am going to deflect is that what I was able to do was come in and guard people and not screw up. And when you've got Danny um, and you've got players like Milt and Pipe and Kevin Pritchard that can do a lot of different things, you need some glue guys, some guys that are just not going to screw up and guard people that are, that are going to make the easy play. And Coach Brown was all about that. And we developed a, you know, some chemistry and, and a substitution pattern that worked um, and went on a run. But to your point, it wouldn't have mattered if Danny wouldn't have decided, hey, 
this is it for me. I, I've got to be Danny and I've got to take these games over. And he, and he learned that and, and uh, started living it. And we just had to kind of fill in the blanks. Well, yeah. I mean, that's everybody played their role and played it so well throughout, throughout March that year. And mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, it's a season that lives in, in Kansas lore. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, all right. Hey, uh, so you get to see the Jayhawks uh, game in, game out, Bill Self's team, and um, they're coming off a, a decent year. Uh, yeah. So uh, what uh, – What? how about a quick thought on, on what you saw building in, in 21-22, and, and then let's turn our attention to what we might see from KU this season. So did, did you have an inkling that things were – you know, that that was a national championship team – um, especially the day after they lost to Kentucky by 20? Well, I thought the, I thought the pieces were there with, it, with one big exception, which was what's going to happen at center. Um, was David McCormick ever going to be the David McCormick that was recruited? You know, the McDonald's All-American, the guy that really played to his potential. He had, he had talent. He had the athleticism. Just really could never put it together. You, um, I remember changing text messages with Bill last December. Um, and he said two people, Remy, David McCormick, they're the, they're the keys to our team. Um, Remy obviously struggled to kind of find his place. Injury kind of had something to do with that. But, you know, he also had to figure out playing differently, a different style, different role, and, and, and where he was going to fit. And that's hard to do, especially for a, the man, if you will, where he was coming from Oklahoma State, or I'm sorry, Arizona State. Um, but – the pieces were there. You saw how much work Ochai put in in the offseason. You saw the confidence that Christian Brown was playing with, and Jalen Wilson, what he could do, and the kind of the, the glue, if you will, of Dewan Harris and what he could do. And they had guys coming off the bench that maybe they weren't, you know, consistent every game, but there was somebody every game that was kind of there for them, whether it be, you know, Yesifu or, or one of those guys that could come in and do something. Um, but they, they believed and they had, I mean, Ochai was incredible. I mean, next to Danny, you know, one, arguably one of the, one of the best senior years you could say in a, in a KU uniform. Um, and that's something to say when you think about the history of the university and everything that he did and everything that that team was able to do together um, was really something special to watch, but I, it wouldn't have mattered without David McCormick finally being a center and, being somebody because Bill loves to have somebody to throw the ball in the post that can make a quick decision, whether it be to go score or get the ball moving. And David became that guy. And especially in the final four was huge. Yeah. Okay. What does 22, 23 look like? They've got a target on, they always have a target on their back. What, what are we, yeah. who are we yeah. kidding here? But uh, right. Um, most of the key players gone, Dwan mm-hmm. Harris back. Um, what uh, sh- should they, should we think of them as a final four contender this year? Well, I think so. I think the, the other thing that was that was kind of prevalent last year, there was no dominant team. There was no, oh, man, Kentucky of 12 or whatever. I mean, there was no team that really just jumped out and you thought, oh, they're, they're so far ahead of everybody else. You know, this year you've got a few of those teams where everybody seems to kind of agree on the top five and we're kind of in that six, seven uh, line. So um, anything can happen. Obviously, it's all about matchups and and who's hot in one game in NCAA tournament, but you know they, they've got they've got great guard play. They've got athletes at center. You know Jalen Wilson, assuming he plays within himself and has taken the next step, a lot like Otai did. Um, 
And, you know, you've got the kid from Texas Tech, McCullough, who's coming in, who was a great defender, plays Bill's style of basketball. But what this team is going to come down to, what do the new guys bring you? And new guys are not just Grady Dick and Rice and those guys, but also Yesifu and some of the guys coming off the bench, Pettiford. He's still a new guy. I mean, they hardly – they played last year. They had roles a little right. bit, but they're going to have to do a lot more this year. The talent's there. They're athletic. Obviously, they've got the best coach in the country, in my opinion. Um, they should be right there, you know, with Baylor probably winning the Big 12. And then you throw everything up in the air at the NCAA tournament and, and, and hope for the best. Absolutely. Uh, you went through that experience yourself. And Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Jeff Gellner, one of the great three-point shooters in Kansas basketball history. Look it up. It is true. Top, top five in a lot of categories. So. The name of the book is Without You by Jeff Geldner uh, and Jeff Bolig also uh, co-authored this. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate yep. it. And no, I thank you. Good luck with everything. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. A tip of the cap to Jeff Geldner for appearing on today's show. Jeff's book is called Without You, a story of thanks and appreciation. The best way to get it is through his website, jeffgeldner.com. That's J-E-F-F-G-U-E-L-D-N-E-R.com. You know, I love Morning Sports Edition, the Star's website sports section available to subscribers. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.